Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Happy Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Fighter's Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour. Seaman and Tommy Guns are out this week, so it'll be us just together in the trust tree. We'll go over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. This is a, this is a busy, busy seven days for us fight fans. It is going to be crazy packed. I didn't even realize that the fights were tonight. To be honest with you, I went into last week's show. I was like, oh, yeah, the fights are Saturday night. I forgot this is the annual after division game. You got to sell a UFC fight night card. So we got some, we got some action tonight, which will be fantastic. Duho Choi, take it on, Little Heathen Stevens. But we did lose our co-main event. This is really scary. So we had, if you guys are uh, unfamiliar with this, Uriah Hall, really, really fantastic striker, uh, finalist in the U in the Ultimate Fighter years back. He was supposed to take on Vitor Belfort tonight, and that fight's not going to happen. That got canceled. Really, really scary issue at the weigh-ins. He reportedly fainted on the way to weigh-ins. His management said that he was on weight. But not only that, he fainted, but doctors believe, according to Ariel Hawani, that he suffered uh, seizures because of the weight cut. So really, really scary stuff that's going on there. There was another incident where Diego Alves was supposed to make his return on this card. His opponent fell out, Zach Cummings, as he was cutting weight in a bathtub, came and hit his head while cutting weight. So a couple of really scary weight cutting issues for the sport. We're not going to see a couple of really, really exciting fighters tonight. And it really is the darkest side of the sport that's going on right now. And they're trying to fix it. It looks like they're, you know, especially if you look at the California State Athletic Commission with the check-ins that they do on weigh-ins to make sure that guys are more on point. You know, they're not doing things to do very extreme cuts or that they balloon up. And USAD has done some of this with the with the idea of, of outlawing IVs. So, not like there hasn't been steps taken to get this thing right, but it felt like when there's been a couple things. The change to the early weigh-ins, the numbers are certainly in a different where more people are missing weight. For whatever reason, they thought this was going to be a better plan because the window would be much healthier to rehydrate. But for whatever reason, the idea of guys having to have be on weight earlier has messed them up. And Uriah Hall is not a guy who's had problems with this in the past. So it's not like he's a frequent offender of cutting weight. But it, it, it is a scary thing to think about what these guys do to their bodies. You know, one of the uh, the fighters tonight, Paige Van Zant, she's in a new weight class, 10 pounds above where she has been fighting. She had been fighting at strawweight 115. And she had some really viral photos that went out with her earlier this year of her cut to strawweight. And it was just brutal. You You looked at her and she was wasting away her body to get there and it's something that seems to have a worse effect on women on what they're doing and and you look at these things and you're like man 
with with all the things that these fighters have to do, it seems like the biggest fight that they have to go against is the scale at times. And what can the what can the process be? And it, it, it seems especially to be a problem in mixed martial arts. And boxing has a couple things going for it. One, there's a lot more weight classes. I mean, every every four to th- four to five pounds, you got a new weight class. So that's one thing. But I don't know if it's also a culture thing. I don't know if it's because a lot more guys come from wrestling, so they're used to the more extreme weight cuts, but and the torturing of their body. But it is definitely something in combat sports that's unique to this side of the fence of mixed martial arts, where guys are just doing extreme measures to get themselves in the most enviable position to win fights and be the bigger person and to have the stronger skill set, to have every advantage go in their favor. And so you look at that and you're like, well, is this just a culture of the sport? If they really did add more weight classes, would more people just be taking advantage to be in other weight classes? You know, would it just give you more options to be an extreme cutter? Or would people really fall in true? Or do more commissions need to do what California's doing? You know, we have a hard enough time right now getting everybody to adopt the unified rules and the changes that they want to do. Vegas, I mean, the capital of fighting hasn't even done it yet. And you really wonder what measures have to be taken to get guys healthy to the scale, then making it healthy to the octagon so we can get the best fights, the guys making their bodies get to a certain weight class to be the healthiest, to be the safest, so we get quality bouts. You know, it really is a a scary element to the sport right now. And so, you know, prayers up to Uriah Hall. Hopefully he he, um, bounces back from this quick and we see him back in the octagon soon. But, you know, take his time as well. That's that's certainly very scary to hear that he may have had a seizure uh, in addition to, to passing out from his weight cut. Vitor Belfort, very, very classy uh, with the fight being canceled. He's a vet. And this was supposed to be, in his mind, the uh, his retirement fight, at least from the UFC. So that'll have to wait a little bit longer for Vitor. Um, we also had another injury that popped up, and that was Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker was supposed to fight at UFC 221. It was supposed to be his real homecoming, his first, his first fight as champion, established champion. Um, he was the undisputed one after George St. Pierre gave up the belt. He also is not going to be able to fight. So what's happening is we are going to get Luke Rockhold taking on Yoel Romero for the interim middleweight championship while Robert Whitaker recovers. There's a couple things here. It's a huge bummer that we're not going to see Robert Whitaker in that environment get to fight because it's always awesome when a champion gets that 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 moment to embrace himself at the top of the sport in their hometown. Stipe, who got to do that in Cleveland not too long ago, and of course we'll get to that fight a little bit later. Um, but just getting that opportunity to, to to be on your soil where you get to, to bask in it a little bit. Sometimes it goes against you. You know, we think about actually going back to Stipe beating Fabricio Verdum in Brazil. So it does go against you at times, but, you know, it, it's still a cool moment. And so the fact that Robert Whitaker is not going to be able to fight as he was also, you know, he was recovered from injury in the first place and I guess is not medically cleared to fight. So we do get Luke Rockhold versus Yoel Romero, um, which is which is pretty cool. Both guys training down here. Luke's done a lot more training down here uh, over in, in Lantana with Henry Hooft and, uh, and Yoel, a longtime uh, member of American Top Team. So South Florida connection there. This is a pretty awesome fight. I like the fact that even with Whitaker going down, we got ourselves a really, really entertaining fight 
And you all remember I had a really close matchup against Robert Whitaker last time for the interim belt while Michael Bisping was on the shelf. Luke Rockhold uh, had some time off, fought David Branch recently. Wasn't the most fantastic-looking fight in the world, but he did get the job done. And so these two are going to be in a cage in a month's time fighting for an interim title. And I think that's it's a, it's a really, really entertaining bout. So that's some of the uh, that was the big news this week as far as injuries are concerned with UFC. The other thing that got announced this week, UFC 222, Max Holloway taking on Frankie Edgar, uh, a fight that we were supposed to get a pay-per-view ago, but it got scratched because of Frankie Edgar being injured. Now it's back on, and Max Holloway is an early, early big-time favorite for this fight, minus 280 to beat Frankie Edgar, who's plus 225. It's a really intriguing fight. It's uh, Frankie's really the only piece there left in that 145 division that Max hasn't beaten other than Conor McGregor who's probably never going to fight there again. So if you're looking for a, a true clean-out at 145 of guys who have been at the top, Frankie's really the last piece there for Max Holloway. There are some up-and-coming contenders. But uh, as far as the guys who have really been in that crop of the top five, Max has beat them all. Some of you, some of he's beaten twice. So it, it's been a pretty incredible ride to watch for Max Holloway. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw this this past week, but did you guys see that in Hawaii, you know how you get the emergency alert system on your phone? It, we were we were just riddled with this during the hurricane, where you get a warning of a hur- of a tornado in your area every thirty minutes, and you, your iPhone just go crazy. Well, this is wild. So, in Hawaii, this uh, this warning came up on your phone, and I didn't even know your phone could do this. But it says uh, warning. Ballistic missiles headed towards your area. This is not a drill, which just sent Hawaii into an absolute panic for a good half hour. People thought, holy crap, we are under attack. North Korea is finally launching at us. What the hell is going on? Um, it turned out not to be true, but even still, it was it was a wild thing. But Max Holloway, genius that he is, he puts up a, a, a meme of himself flying knee to the missile says don't worry Hawaii I got this I thought it was fantastic Max Holloway is going to fight this fight in Vegas we're not going to get the Hawaii card that I know a lot of people want to see you know see the champion fight in his own town apparently but there's just the logistic issues in Hawaii it's not an easy thing to get forth but Max Holloway is going to be fighting Frankie Edgar and we haven't seen Frankie since he beat the holy hell out of Yair Rodriguez so still a fun fight very very entertaining and it's been a lot of shuffling. This has been a, a lot of shuffling going on in the UFC this week. But we have a busy, busy fight night tonight. And even with losing Uriah Hall versus Vitor Belfort, we still got fantastic fights. Steven, uh, Jeremy Stevens, Duho Choi, um, really entertaining fight. Seeing Paige Van Zant, who the UFC obviously wants to see great things from, taking on Jessica Rose Clark. What will the new weight class mean for, for, for Paige? Or is this going to be another shortcoming for her? She moved training camp. She's in Portland this time. The one thing, you do get Darren Elkins versus Michael Johnson moving to the main card. Uh, not like it's a huge thing. I mean, you know, you're you're just talking about a matter of, of time there because it's not like you got to pay for the main event here. But Michael Johnson versus Darren Elkins, I think that's a fantastic fight. You know, those two guys will go in there. They will bang. They'll be... Um, ju- it, it just seems like an absolute slugfest in the making. Darren Elkins is like a zombie it's so hard to put him down. And Michael Johnson, it's just always like you never know. It's sometimes he looks like an absolute world beater. 
sometimes he looks like that for a couple minutes and then just can't put it through for the entire fight. So what do we see from the menace tonight? I think that's very intriguing. And then Kamara Usman versus Emil Meek, another very intriguing matchup. Uh, different skill sets coming to the ring tonight, and Usman looks like the next world beater at 170, you know, uh, on top of Darren Elkins. There's a lot of really, really talented guys at 170, but, you know, Emil Meek is no slouch in, in his own right. So you got you got some really nice, you know, it's actually funny too, like looking at this card, and this this card always seems to do very positive numbers because you're going to have the lead in and a lot of promotion tonight during the NFC divisional game between the Vikings and Saints, which is one of the benefits to UFC keeping that relationship with Fox. Um, but this is always this is always a, a, a traditional card that does well, and you know, but in the past has had like Conor McGregor headlining it before, so this is. You know, Jeremy Stevens not exactly your household name. Paige Van Zandt certainly is, so she, she and she always does well ratings wise. Um, but Jeremy Stevens versus Duho Choi is an interesting matchup to see how that carryover is going to go from the NFC divisional game. But a really, really entertaining card. When we come back, we got a we got ourselves a big one coming up next week. Not just because of the size of the fighters, but just because this, in a lot of people's minds is a a very, very important fight for the UFC and where 2018 will go. We'll tell you about that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, guys. Tobin here with you. It's Fighters Fury on 790, The Ticket. We take you up until around 11 o'clock today. A couple boxing notes before we get into UFC 220, which is going down next week in Beantown. And here's what we got for you. Some reports came out this week that Canelo Alvarez and Triple G had agreed upon their rematch for the first weekend in May. This was a report from the LA Times. They apparently got word from Golden Boys Camp. Eric Gomez, I think, is their president. And he has said 98% done. Canelo's agreed to his side. No rematch clause. Just waiting on Triple G to give it the okay. We're good to go. Strangely enough, the same side of that fence... Canelo, this was uh, Oscar De La Hoya who came out and he refuted the reports and he blamed it on Triple G. It says Canelo versus Triple G is not done and not close to being done considering reports. I promise to all the fans that we will get it done soon when Triple G agrees to the rematch. Now this sucks. This sucks for Triple G in a couple regards. In a lot of people's minds he got screwed in that fight. A lot of people thought obviously Triple G won that fight over Canelo Alvarez. But because it ended up the way it did, he loses a lot of leverage. He doesn't get the. He doesn't have the accolades. He doesn't have the ball in his court. It doesn't go to a a, a, a purpose. Now, the other thing with this is when they when they're making these fights, normally there's a rematch clause. It's easy peasy, good to go. But when when somebody doesn't lose their belt, the A side doesn't lose their belt. They still have the leverage on their side, so they got to go and renegotiate basically the whole damn thing. So Triple G is in a tough spot right now because this is obviously the biggest money fight. It was the biggest money fight in boxing this year, other than, of course, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. But we're going to go boxer versus boxer. This was the biggest fight that boxing had to offer by itself with two pure boxers. And I would say going into this year, commercially, unless Floyd Mayweather is returning to fight somebody, this is the biggest fight boxing has to offer. So from one regard, Triple G, he's a little bit hamstrung in that all right, do you do you go the way of not fighting Canelo and fighting, let's say, a Billy Joe Saunders for a lot less money, 
and you get to keep some leverage where people will say, all right, let's say he goes and beats Billy Joe, even though he's getting older, even though he's uh, he had some trouble chasing Canelo, would he have those issues against Billy Joe Saunders? Let's just say he's got the risk of fighting a guy in Billy Joe where he could lose. And then it's completely off the table. Or does he fight Canelo Alvarez again, continue to do what he did in the last fight, although that's also a risk, and if he if he wins, almost certainly sets up for a third fight. You know, it definitely puts it in possession where, okay, if we agree to this, we know that it's going to be in a position where Canelo versus Triple G, it's going to happen again, which it, it basically almost hooking yourself up for two big paydays. If you go fight Billy Joe, yeah, you get to keep some of your pride intact and you don't have to to, to bend to Oscar De La Hoya, who will be scrambling for an opponent for Canelo. But there's a risk of losing and then a risk of people losing interest in you. And so where do you go? You know, it is a guaranteed bonus. His guaranteed purse was $3 million. Who knows what he got on the back end of that pay-per-view. But, you know, from my mind, if you're, if you're Canelo Alvarez or if you're Triple G and you look at what those scorecards were, where, you know, you lost 118-110 on a card and you just got to be shaking your head like, come on, man. Because of this kind of incompetence, I got to be treated like this in the negotiations because of Adelaide Bird who didn't know what the hell she was doing. It's a tough spot for Triple G. It really is. It's a, it's a tough spot and, and, and it stinks. But I, I really don't think there's another fight for these two guys. And I, and I think it will get worked out. I think we will have the Cinco de Mayo weekend because what else are you going to put on that weekend? I mean, it's it's routinely the biggest fight weekend in boxing. And if not that, then the, the second weekend in September. Just got a hard time believing we're not going to get that fight come Cinco de Mayo. But it is uh, it is concerning to see that Oscar's uh, trying these power plays against Eddie Golovkin. I don't really know what he does, and it's all because of, of a judge. If you want to understand why fighters find it so infuriating that the judging is poor, it's because of stuff like this. It's not just the wins and losses. It's the leverage. It's the dollar signs. These are prize fighters. These guys go out. This is how they make a living, and a lot of how you make a living is also the leverage you have when you come to the negotiating table, and Triple G having a win when they're negotiating these contracts is huge. And the fact that now he has a draw on his resume instead of a win is 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 completely irritating. So we'll see what becomes of that. I got a hard time believing it's not going to get done. But, you know, Oscar is doing this move where he's trying to put the pressure on Gennady Golovkin. Other, uh, other news and notes that came out of boxing this week. A bunch of heavyweight fights finally became official. We got Luis Ortiz. He's taking on Deontay Wilder March 3rd. March is going to be a busy-ass month for the heavyweight division. We also got Joseph Parker versus Anthony Joshua. That's official for March 31st. And we look at those two matchups, and you hope to think, okay, after this, these guys are finally going to fight. Can you guarantee it? No, absolutely not, because it seemed like these guys were talking a big game after their last fights where Deontay had the spectacular knockout over Stavern. Um, you had Anthony Joshua with a less-than-stellar performance over Carlos Takam. But even still, both of those guys are riding high. Deontay, I think, was riding a little bit higher, even though the Anthony Joshua had the fight of the year in many people's minds with his win over Vladimir Klitschko. 
I think both of these guys are going to come out of this fight on top. I like how Deontay came out of that fight with Bermain Stavern. Even a guy who was very inactive, wasn't in great shape, took it on short notice. He went in there, did exactly what he was what he was supposed to do. Where if you look on the side of Anthony Joshua, he had the same situation, had a little bit of trouble with a last-minute opponent, got headbutt, got his nose broken in the fight, a little bit uglier, and a questionable stoppage, let's be honest. I mean, that's probably a fight that should have gone the distance, and the first sign it was kind of tilting in Anthony Joshua's favor, they stopped the fight. And, it, and it, looked like a, it looked like a parachute stoppage, if you ask me. So, you could probably say for the first time in these guys' careers, Anthony Joshua isn't exactly on the same trajectory as Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder's probably going a little bit up. Anthony Joshua plateauing, if you will. And that's how quickly he can change. Now, if they win their fights, Joseph Parker taking on Anthony Joshua, you know, he's calling out his glass jaw, says that we've seen his vulnerabilities. Okay, that's that's fair. But I do think that we've seen Anthony Joshua be a lot more battle-tested than a Joseph Parker. And if if you want to say he's got a glass shot, all right, let's take it on Klitschko. Who, yeah, he's no world beater as far as slugging is concerned. Nobody looks at Vladimir Klitschko and says, oh, that guy's got the kiss of death when it comes to a punch. But it's not like he's a slouch either. He's not, he's not some bum who can't put anybody away. And he got up off the canvas, put him down again. I don't know how you can give anything but props to Anthony and Joshua for that fight. Um... And then you look at Deontay Wilder, this fight against Luis Ortiz. To me, he's got the more dangerous of the two. If we're going to look at who's putting themselves more at risk, Deontay is, for, for sure. You're taking an undefeated fighter, very awkward, awkward style, tough to figure out. And we've seen Deontay Wilder leave himself open before. Does he look like he's getting that super confidence about himself? Does he look like he's taking that next championship leap? Yes. Yes, he does. But Luis Ortiz... Even with the uh, the issues with the testing and all that, never been beaten. He's also got stoppage power. A lot of it's uh, an unknown factor. He's been very avoided in his career. If I had to say who looks like they're they're putting a little bit more on the line here, who's got more to risk, I would say it's Deontay. And a couple things also with that factor. Deontay's American. You know, he doesn't exactly have the nation behind him. I think Anthony Joshua loses a fight. He's still going to be a big star in Britain. Um, they're a little bit more of a knowledgeable fan base right now. They're a little bit more forgiving if their guys lose. Deontay, if he loses this fight, it's kind of back to the line for him. You know, especially with the fact that Anthony Joshua has the Tyson Fury fight probably down the pipe. He's got options. Deontay, if he loses this fight, I don't know what his options are. His options are, is he going to take on Luis Ortiz again? Um, it, it, it's tough. And, and props to Deontay for not wanting to hold out and be inactive and just sit on his hands for the Anthony Joshua fight. He knows that he has some... He has some making up to do as far as the star power and, 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 and getting people clamoring to watch him fight. And I thought that was a big problem with Deontay early on in his career, ducking harder fights uh, or having Al Hammonds have him avoid tougher fights, taking on guys on PBC who we've never heard of. You have this big platform. You take it on the Spielkas and the Dehupois and guys we've just never heard of. It was, uh, I thought, a big hindrance to his career. And he could have been taking on guys with bigger names, even if they were a bit older, um, but he seems like he's taking the right steps now. He's taking on higher-risk guys. He's getting all doubters away from him. So 
It'll be interesting to see, but I, I think both of them – right now, I think both of them come out of those fights with victories. I, I really do. Uh, but I definitely think that Deontay Wilder is stepping a little bit more into the bear trap than Anthony Joshua is. I think Anthony Joshua is a little cut above Joseph Parker, and barring something catastrophic in that fight happening, like say like in his last fight a headbutt or a nasty cut, I think he really should handle that fight okay. I, I think he, we've seen that. The stamina was questionable against Vladimir Klitschko, but he battled through it. He got up. He battled through it. Calls to calm. Adversity with what was going down. Yeah, he was in there with opponent. Probably really wasn't going to do anything with his hands, but a guy who wasn't going down easily and weathered the storm. So I, I think that both these guys should TCB, and we'll see it later on in the year. I think we'll finally see that heavyweight matchup, which would be really, really great. Now... As far as the last piece of the heavyweight division right now, the big wild card is is Tyson Fury. And I think we're all we're all kind of getting annoyed with the Tyson Fury getup right now. Look, we all want to see Tyson Fury back in the ring. I think the heavyweight division's better with him there. I think it's more entertaining. He obviously brings a very lively personality. He also doesn't mind being the bad guy, which is definitely missing in this. You know, Anthony Joshua, a bit of a golden boy. Deontay Wilder, it's kind of hard to hate on him. I mean, you, you think about his story. He's an Olympic, uh, he's an Olympic medalist. You know, the story with his daughter is impossible if you look at his characteristics from that standpoint to be hateable. Um, you know, and I think he's trying to go into that side of the pool with Deontay. Like, he was like, ah, I'm, I'm the most feared guy since Tyson. You know, you bring up the old greats, that's a good way to get boxing fans against you, but he's trying anything to get the fight at this point even if it has to be the hated part but Tyson is the is the true heel if you will of the boxing ranks but it's getting a little bit tiresome as a boxing fan to hear these games with Tyson Fury you know like every single week it's who do you want me to fight it's like we told you what do you mean who do we want to see you fight this was so Easily put firsthand to your social media account, you asked, who do you want the fans to fight? David Price, some schlub winner, or Shannon Briggs? You had 75,000 people say who they want you to fight. It came back. The results are in. It was Shannon Briggs. And then you're asking the same question to fans two months later. It's like, well, what's the point? Are you going to give the fans what you want? If you're putting it up to the fans, if you're going to put a fans vote up to it, and you're going to make the fans feel important, and be in invested in your comeback, and then you're going to just ignore what they say, what's the point of doing it? Then you're just going to get people more pissed off at you. Or or think that this is all a ruse. And look, Eddie Hearn came out this week. He's like, look, we're not doing business with Tyson Fury until he proves that he can get himself in shape and walk into the ring and get himself a win. And you want to know something? I think it's completely fair from Eddie Hearn. And I'm not somebody who's on the side of promoters a lot of the time, but if you're Anthony Joshua... Why the hell are you going to invest all that time into a training camp not knowing what you're going to get from Tyson Fury? It's a complete wild card. And the going back and forth on fighting Shannon Briggs? I mean, hey, I love Shannon. You know he's my guy. But if you're Tyson Fury, let me get this straight. You've been you've been harping around how you're the lineal champion of the world. You beat Vladimir Klitschko. You, didn't even, you did it easy. You danced around him. You embarrassed him in your mind. I'm supposed to believe in you beating Anthony Joshua, but you're hesitant to fight a 46-year-old man who hasn't fought in 18 months, who's been out 
not really even training. He's out doing CBD farming and God knows where. So he's not even training. And yet you have hesitancy to fight him? You're on the fence about fighting a guy? Your fans told you what they wanted. This should be the comeback fight for you. The guy's got 20 years of age on you. I mean, I see more training videos of you lately than I have of him, but yet you're still not stepping into the ring? This is still a dance, you and your your management? What is that? What kind of what kind of dance is that that you're doing? Nobody wants to see you fight some old schlub rival, David Price. Nobody wants to see you fight some B-level tournament winner that, that should get you back into the belt game. No, you're supposed to be the guy who's holding the real championship. You are the ring championship of the world, okay? If that's your claim and that's your piece of the prize right now, hold on to that. I don't need you to see you get another belt. There's no point into it. But don't spit in the fan's face and say, you guys are going to decide my next fight. And you have thousands upon thousands coming back saying who they want you to fight. And they tell you they want you to fight Shannon Briggs. And you're like, let's ask it again. Who do you guys want me to fight? It's like, what? No, 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 man. This is who wants to be a millionaire. We gave you final answer. It was a multiple choice question. We all answered and pushed the button the number we wanted to. And we came back with the answer, Shannon Briggs. Stop asking me again. It's like, mm, you sure? You, you sure? Like, I, we get it. I get it. You want the answer to be Anthony Joshua, right? Like, that's what you want it to be? That's not the case right now. You're not on, you're not on the hot list right now, Tyson Fury. As, as much as that may infuriate you, and as much as you may have a claim to the lineal championship of the world, I get your arguments. But business is business, and I don't understand how anybody could be involved with a guy who looks the way you do, who's acted the way you've acted, and has no way of knowing what your reliability is for making a fight. So, I can completely understand you, the boxing world, wanting you to get a win, prove yourself. You haven't fought in two and a half years. I completely get in the boxing world wanting you to prove yourself, to make a comeback, prove you can get yourself into fighting shape, get a win, and then get yourself into the picture. But you can't just do it from your couch. People got to remember, oh yeah, Tyson Fury's got skills. Tyson Fury's the real deal. Because the the fight fan's mind is very waning. It's very iffy. So, I don't know what this is with the, ah, yeah, you know, I want to get right back in there and fight Anthony Joshua. No, 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 man. The next next fight people want to see with Anthony Joshua is Deontay Wilder. Those two are the are the are the one and two ponies right now. You're you're on the edge. You're the one A. You're not the one. That's where it stands right now. Don't ask me again who I want to see you fight. I told you. Thousands told you. Shannon Briggs, that's your comeback fight. Make it happen in the spring. Stop dancing around. It's enough already. We'll get into the heavyweight championship of the world. Steve Emiosic, Francis Ngannou next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Been a fun show today, man. We got a lot to dive into. It's one of those shows you wish you had two hours. So, a couple texts roll in on the Coral Springs Automobile Honda text line, 67974. Uh, somebody texts in, what, what and when is up with uh, Conor McGregor in the UFC? How long does the promotion give him before his belts are stripped? 
It was interesting enough, Joe Rogan came out this week. He was doing a podcast with Tyron Woodley, which was very good. Um, and Joe says that he 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 thinks Connor's going to get stripped soon. He thinks that he thinks that decision is going to be made. And Joe's obviously very connected with Dana White, and you know has to be involved with these promotions. Joe does a lot of the videos for these promotions, so you imagine he's got a good idea of it. There's another interesting thing that came out this week. There was a there was a story that the UFC has put on hold a venue in Russia for September. So if that's the case. You'd imagine Tony Ferguson versus Khabib is going to be booked sometime in the first part of this year, probably for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world or quote-unquote undisputed, and then we'll get Conor versus Khabib. Their plans, I'd imagine, would be Conor versus Khabib for the lightweight championship in September. I think that's probably what they want. You know, there'd be a lot of time out of the ring, though, for Conor. I mean, you're probably – what are you talking then? You're talking – yeah, you're talking about almost two years at that point, just shy of it. It's a lot of time out of the uh, out of the octagon for Conor McGregor, but I think he's doing a little bit of hardball here with the UFC. He wants to get that do, uh, that deal to where he wants it to be, and it's understandable. But that looks like the way it's going to go. I wouldn't be surprised if we get an announcement soon that Conor is going to be stripped of his belt. They did just announce this Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar fight. I wouldn't be surprised if. We got, in addition to that, Tony versus Khabib on that card. I know, I know Khabib wants to fight early on this year. Um, you know, and I think Tony would be fine with it, too. They wanted to do that fight initially. And it sticks for Tony. And it's not that Tony can't win. I think Tony can beat Khabib Nurmagomedov. Don't get me wrong. I think he's definitely got, especially his style, a guy who could do a lot of damage on the ground. You know, he's also very unorthodox. They're both very unorthodox in 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 their skill sets. So it's not it's not like I think if, if if Khabib, who I know is the flavor of the month right now, I certainly think Tony Ferguson can win that fight. Definitely. I just think if you see the tea leaves, that's what the UFC's hoping for. They want to see Khabib get the belts around his waist to fight Conor McGregor in September, if those reports are true. But you have no reason to believe they're not. Um, so... Would not be surprised if you see that happening. Another guy texted, I think Ortiz could take out Wilder because Wilder isn't the most clinical of heavyweights and susceptible to getting hit big. I think Ortiz wins on points uh, and mauls him to a win. Wilder is a bit too cocky and Fury is overrated, unorthodox guy with a big mouth and limited skill set. Um, I, I think he makes sound points. Look, I think if, if you're looking at certainly with Wilder, he has a he has a propensity to get hit. He does leave himself open. It's also though what makes him so great. His his punching power I think is unrivaled right now in the division. I really do. I think I, I, even bigger than it's it's bigger than Joshua's. Joshua's probably more pristine, probably more that traditional. You see the amateur background, and I know that Wilder meddled, but Wilder is just like it's six eight. It comes from wherever. And it comes with with absolute with absolute just fire and brimstone, man. It's it's unbelievable, ungodly power. But you have a guy in Luis Ortiz, Cuban background, stands in that that awkward style, southpaw. Certainly, I think it give Wilder problems. I think that's what makes it such an intriguing fight, and uh, and why I think it's it's more dangerous for Wilder to take this fight than it is for Anthony to fight Joe Parker. 
There was another one that was announced too. Dillian White's going to be taking on Lucas Brown. I think that's a little bit of an intriguing fight. Lucas Brown's fought in a while. He also had some uh, some testing issues, but I think that's a fun uh, heavyweight fight that's coming down the pipe as well. That's also in March. So March, you got the third. You got Deontay Wilder taking on Luis Ortiz. Dillian White versus Lucas Brown going on the 24th. And then the 31st, you got yourself Anthony Joshua taking on Joseph Parker. It's a good little trio matchup that you have going on there. All right, so let's get to this UFC 220. Look, it's not the it's not the best card in the world. In fact, Bellator is the same card that night. They have Chell Sonnen taking on Rampage Jackson, which is now the the main event instead of Douglas Lima versus Rory McDonald, which is now the co-main event, which to me is a little weird because I would think that the appeal to get people to tune in on Bellator at night, there's a big UFC main event like there is. Have as many good fights as you can early so people don't tune away. Obviously, the appeal is that you are on you are on for free. So there's a little bit of cannibalism. It kind of sucks for fight fans. I mean, it's going to be a really busy week next week, but, you know, it'd be nice if, you know, why can't why can't Chandler Rampage be fighting the next week and, and, and Rory and, and Douglas be fighting the next week? Why does it have to be on the same night? But it is what it is. Um, I do think it also sucks for your champion in Douglas Lima that he doesn't get that shine. He's not going to get the lead-in from the two legends fighting going into their fight. And this is supposed to be a big showcase for Rory as well. It's a bummer, but they have a really good card. I mean, Bellator, for my mind, I think the, the, the card between having Chael versus Rampage, obviously two known guys, this really cool heavyweight Grand Prix that they have going on, which we haven't talked much about, but I think it's a really, really great idea that Bellator has going on. You know, they have all those veteran guys, have this tournament. They haven't had a heavyweight champion in forever. And who cares? Let's just, I mean, in all honesty, you're not that deep. Let's just have everybody go at it and fight for one belt. I think it's fantastic. You also got Douglas Newman versus Roy McDonald, a fantastic fight. Two young guys. Lima's been their champ forever, really hasn't gotten the shine that he probably deserves, taking on a very credible guy in Rory McDonald, who's beaten the current UFC champion. And that in itself is a really good Bellator card. Top of that, you got Michael Chandler, one of their marquee fighters, just an absolute, absolute badass. And he's back in action after a really unfortunate loss of his title where his foot got injured. It was it was kind of bogus, couldn't really go on. Um, so it's going to be good to see Michael Chandler back in the ring. And then we got Aaron Pico, who is their best prospect. So you think about their best prospect, their staple superstar fighter Michael Chandler Douglas Lima versus Roy McDonald one of the best championship fights they can make plus you got two strongholds in former UFC guys of Rampage versus Chael they got a really really good card UFC card it's not that great you know you got the main event you got the absolute event of the night in Stipe versus Francis no doubt that's the fight if you if you between Errol Spence, Lamont Peterson fight next week between all the fights on Bellator and UFC. If I if I was only allowed to watch one, if I only could watch one, it would absolutely be Stipe versus Ngannou. No doubt. And, and, and second place is very, very far behind. But if you're going to tell me what's going to give me the most entertainment throughout the night, I, I look at that Bellator card and I say, yeah, that's probably the one. Because... This isn't a slap at Volkan Ozdemir. 
I mean, it's cool to see this rise that he's had, and it's great to see that Daniel's giving him this opportunity in a very weird set of circumstances, like Daniel's the champion again after the last image we all have in our head is Cormier losing to John Jones. It's a very strange situation. And look, for right now, everybody looks at it and say, look, John cheated in that fight. He took something. We don't know what the repercussions are of that yet. We still don't have a we still don't have closure on what's gonna happen with John Jones. But the last image in our mind with Daniel Cormier is John Jones beat the holy hell out of him. So what are you to do with that? How are you supposed to treat this? Is this almost like for a vacant belt? I guess. I, I think Daniel's going to handle him. I mean, the only thing I think that should really stop Daniel or hinder Daniel in any way is you know that the cut to 205 hasn't been as easy lately. It feels like Daniel's moving on to the next part of his career. So is it just a case of, hey, the hungrier, younger fighter is going to get lucky and land one punch? Perhaps. Perhaps. But look, we've seen Daniel. A guy could take a monster shot. If you're coming in there with just one weapon, we've seen him take the, the, the deadliest shot in the division, and that is Anthony Rumble Johnson, and, and, and go right through him and break him. Now, Rumble fought that second fight very, very strangely. Will Vulcan be much more hesitant to engage like that? Seeming as they train together, I would hope so. I would hope that uh, that Vulcan would take some tips. Um, I thought I heard Chael Sonnen this week on his podcast. I thought he made a very, very good point of, you know, Luke Rockhold has spent time in both camps. What what is what happens there when both guys are both guys are, are chirping at him for advice? I would say you just stay out of it if 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 you're Rockhold. Uh, he's got his own. I'd be like, you know what? I got my own championship fight to worry about. Leave me the hell alone. I gotta fight. I gotta fight Romero in a few weeks. But I think Daniel's gonna win, and it's not it's not a slap at. Vulcan Uzumir, I've just never seen Daniel Cormier lose if it's not named John, if the guy across the cage from him is not John Jones. And not only have I not seen him lose, I've never really seen Daniel Cormier in danger against anybody who's not named John Jones. So I got a hard time picking against him. And we got to hope that this uh, John Jones situation gets cleared up. And then we'll see if there's a third fight between these guys with weird circumstances surrounding it. Who knows? But but the Mac Daddy of next week is Steve versus Francis. It's look, people have gone at this and said this fight, you know, it's hard to promote these guys as stars. And I I think it sells itself. Look, you have Steve Miosic looking to have more more title defenses than anybody against a guy who's an absolute freak. He's UFC Drago. He's been trained at the facility against the guy who's the humble firefighter from Cleveland who's not really great at anything. Nobody looks at Stipe and says, man, he's got one skill set that's just better amongst the rest. That dude just goes through. He's been mo- knocking mother believers out left and right. He's been he's been beating guys for a second time worse than he did the first time like he did to Dos Santos. Um, and Francis is still a bit of an unknown, you know. The one thing that I think you, we could learn from the last fight when he took on Overeem is – Man, that dude is that dude is is big, and I don't mean to just be Captain Obvious there, but he's cutting to get to the heavyweight limit, and so that makes you look at Stipe and everybody's like, well, Stipe could just take him down. I mean, he's got the wrestling background, and I'm looking at it and saying, how? He's got he's gonna have he's gonna have 20 pounds on Stipe. Nobody wrestles 
20 pounds more than they do. You, you wrestle at the same weight class. So I don't know where he's going to get that ability. Dude's got tree trunks for legs. Massive back. How do you, how do you propose he's going to take him down? I think if you're Steve Bay, you got to be the higher volume striker. You got to put the pressure on him. We know Stipe's tough. You know, walked through a busted up leg the last fight against Dos Santos. He got up from a knockdown against Alistair Overeem. I've just seen him against more adversity than I have, Francis. But the margin for error seems like it's very, very small. It really does. Like one mistake, and it seems like Francis is going to be like a heat-seeking missile and take you down. But I'm, I'm, I'm picking Stipe. I'm, I'm saying the champ is going to retain. And I'll give you that my reasons are because I just haven't seen enough of it from Francis. And Stipe, I think a lot of people have looked at for these fights and saying, yeah, this is going to be where it's the end of the road for him. Um, and we have seen him been put on the canvas recently. But he just he figures these things out. He does. And whether you want to call it a championship mentality or toughness or just, hey, he's a lot better striker than people give him credit for. I think that the guy who's been in higher pressure situations who really just this stuff seems like it, it, it matters nothing to him as far as the, 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 the promotion putting more behind Francis, the fans maybe wanting Francis to be at the top. I think that stuff just affects him zero, zero point zero. And he just shows up and he wins. And I think Stipe is going to show up. And I think he's going to bowl through Francis Ngannou. And I think he's going to find his chin. And he's going to find a way to get victory. There's no shot this fight goes the distance. I'm going to say Stipe wins this fight late second round. That's my pick. And I think uh, and and for DC, DC retains his title. Uh, I think he breaks him by the third round. I think that's what goes on with Vulcan. So those are, the, those are my picks. I'll go with Sh- uh, Chael Sonnen, Rampage Jackson. I'm going to go with Chael. I'm going to go with the upset there. I don't know what kind of shape Rampage is in, but but Rampage not having a, a weight limit to be at worries me a little bit with him. Uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go with Rory McDonald beating Douglas Lima to become the new welterweight champion in Bellator. So those are the picks. And I'm going to go with Errol Spence, by the way, for boxing next week, beating Lamont Peterson, retaining his IBF title. And hopefully he's more active this year because he's, he's one of the young stars in boxing. I'd like to see him a little bit more active and, and get more fights for him. So very, very exciting January 20th coming up in the fight game. We have a lot to look forward to. We'll recap it all same time, same place next week on Fighters Fury. We'll talk to you then. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.